Our study this evening is going to be on the father of Abraham, one who was called as Terah. And I've entitled my study this evening as the man who settled halfway. The man who settled halfway. The passage of scripture we are looking at this evening is Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 and from verse 27 onwards. And this is what it says. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans. In the land of his birth, Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milka. She was the daughter of uh, Haran, the father of both Milka and Iska. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. He died in Haran. Now, it's interesting the meaning of Terah's name is delay. Okay, one who delays, uh, wandering, uh, one who wanders around, you know, or turning, you know, one who goes in a particular direction and decides to turn somewhere else, or Another meaning of his name is wild goat. You know, wild goat signifying you know the wandering around, no purpose, no aim. Now keep this uh, now name in mind because remember, Old Testament names have significance. So if Terah's name was Delay, okay, did he live up to his name? You know, he started out from Ur of the Chaldees and settled down halfway. He delayed his reaching Canaan, and as a result, he lost out on the promised land. A couple of you know, background information about him. First of all, his uh, background, family background. Terah had three sons, Abraham, Haran, and Nahor. And the entire family, including all their children, grandchildren, they resided in Ur of the Chaldees. One of his grandchildren was Lot, whose father was Haran, who was Terah's son, who passed away while still residing in Ur. Now keep this information also in mind. He settles down in Haran, and his son's name is also Haran, and Haran dies while they are still living in Ur. Okay? Now, Looking at the background of you know, the city of Ur, Terah lived in this great big city of Ur. Ur was not a rural area. Ur was not a small town. When God called Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees, he did not call him to leave a small town and go to a big town. He did not call him to go to, you know, leave a rural setting and go to the promised land. No, what he was leaving behind was the largest, more important, and wealthy city 
at that particular time, okay? It was at the mouth of the river Euphrates in what is now Iraq, but was then called Sumeria. It might even have been the largest city in the world at that time. Now, nothing for a moment, you know, the largest city of the world. And God calls Abraham and says, hey, you have a very comfortable life here. I want you to leave this place and go to a place that I will show you, okay? Now, that was the call on Abraham. Now, in this city, the largest city, you know, there was also a temple right in the very center of that city. And around this temple was a market, there was a school, and there was also a big library. Okay, so intellectual place, religious place, commercial place. Now, now what was this temple all about? Now, this temple was dedicated to the god of the moon, okay, the moon god. The name was uh, na, uh, Nana. Another name for this god was also Sin. Okay, again, remember names very important. Okay, so here was this temple in the heart of the city, moon god, and Abraham and Thera have been worshippers of this moon god because that was the worship in this particular town of Ur of the Chaldees. Now, this god of the moon was the son of the sky god Enlil and the grain goddess. Nin Lil, okay, and there were many temples dedicated to this god all around Mesopotamia. So the chances are that Thera's family, you know, would have definitely worshipped this god. Now, more confirmation about, you know, they worshipping this god is found, you know, in the meaning of Sarai and Milka, okay, you <laughs> know, Sarai. Abraham's wife you know, was the name of Sin, that is Nana's wife. You know, and Milka was the name of the daughter of this god Sin. Okay? So the fact that you know, these names were given to these wives would also suggest you know, that they were all a part of the same worship, you know, because that is how now they had given them this name. Okay, so when you're looking at the background of Nathera and U and Abraham, they were definitely from a very pagan background. They were definitely from a very pagan background. No influence whatsoever of Yahweh God. But God appeared to Abraham. God appeared to Abraham. Now, why did God appear? You know. The Bible doesn't give all the you know, details about it, but the Bible only tells us that God appeared and told him to leave this place. You know? That would definitely suggest that here was a person who had a heart for God, seeking after God, and God revealed himself to him. Okay, And that is what happens even today, isn't it? There are people from a total pagan background worshipping other gods, but they are searching. Their heart is, you know, Lord, I want to know you, the one true God. And God reveals himself to that individual. So Abraham, Thera, worshippers of moon god, have been, especially Abraham, has been called by God to leave this particular place. Now, we are very clear, the Bible very specifically tells us that God called Abraham to leave. Now, a question would arise, why did Thera leave? Okay, because if you notice, it says very clearly in verse 20, uh, 31, it says, Thera took his son Abraham, grandson, Lord, son of Haran, 
and his daughter-in-law, the wife of his son, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now this was, you know, seems to say that Thera is the one who has taken the initiative. Thera has taken all of them. So some people will say, did God call Thera first, you know, and then, you know, Thera stopped halfway. But the Bible doesn't mention anywhere about God's call on Thera. The Bible only speaks about God's call on Abraham, okay? Because this is very clear even in Acts chapter 7, as also in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Some translations don't put in this had said, you know. And as a result, some people have this issue. Did God speak to Abraham only after he had, after Terah died? No, no. If you look at Acts chapter 7, in Stephen's speech, he starts off by this saying, Brothers and fathers, chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, verse 2. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. So God's call came to Abraham when he was living in Ur. Okay? There's no mention about God's call coming to Thera. So question would arise then, what made Thera leave this place? Okay? Wasn't it a comfortable place? You know? Two issues would, you know, we would, uh, you know, two thoughts maybe we would come up with when you think about possible reasons. Number one, you know, Abraham would have definitely told his father that this is what happened. God Yahweh appeared to me, you know, and he has asked me to leave this place. Because if you notice, you know, uh, Stephen in his message says, our glorious God appeared to Abraham. Now, within those same words, he mentioned it to Terah or whatever words, you know, but, you know, Abraham was definitely convinced that this was the one true God speaking to him. And how he communicated to Thera, it is not mentioned. But obviously, you know, in that particular culture, as was the custom, Abraham would have definitely told his father. Okay. And, you know, Thera would have said, okay, you know, God has told you, if God has appeared to you, you know, being religious, they would have said, okay, let's take off. So one possible reason could be it's because Thera, as the leader in that family, says, okay, if Abraham, God has appeared, you know, this is what it is, okay, let's all go. He agreed to what Abraham told about <coughs> his encounter with God, asking him to leave Ur of the Chaldees. But yet another possible reason would be also the grief about the death of his son. Maybe he was upset with this God in you know, sin, who said, hey, my son has died in his young age. Remember in those days, they lived in you know, 100, 200 years. Okay? And for a person to die before his parents die, that would have been very tough for him. Okay? And this was Josephus, the historian, writes and says, now Thera, hating Chaldea, on account of his mourning for Haran, they all moved to Haran. Okay. 
Now, so this is the second possible reason. Maybe he was upset with his God to say, you know, God allowed my son to die before me. Why should I worship this God? And when Abraham came up with this to say, God has appeared to me. I want to, you know, leave this Ur of the Chaldees and go to this place. He would have said, okay, let us go. Okay. So these could be two reasons. So he was willing to take that journey. But the sad part is that he never really arrived at his destination. He reached Haran, remember the same name as his son who died, okay? A place that was very similar in many ways to Ur of the Chaldees. Whether this was his intention for shifting location, it was on the way. So whether he had it in mind initially itself, okay, I'm going to leave this Ur, and go to this place of Haran, which is a similar place, okay? Because in that city, there was also a temple to the same god Nina or Sin, okay? Not as big as in Ur, but still similar. The city was smaller, it was not as wealthy or important as Ur, but for a person coming from Ur, it would have been a very familiar place. It would have been like home. Customs and culture would have been very, very similar in many ways. It is like, okay, you know, God has told Abraham to leave to this unknown destination. You know, Haran is on the way. Haran is a similar part. Whether he thought in the beginning itself to settle down in Haran or, you know, by the journey, by the time they reached there, he was so tired of, he says, I'm not going to take any further. We really do not know. But the fact of the matter is, you know, that he decided to settle in Haran. But it is also significant that he took Haran's son, Lot, who was now an orphan, but he left the other two. There were other two sons also, isn't it, of Terah? You know, he left those two sons, you know, and he took with him only you know, Haran's son, that was Lot. Now, maybe Lot might have been the youngest maybe the other two had already a family and you know things like that so there was no uh, compulsion to take them lord did not have anybody so as a result he would have said okay lord you come along okay so whatever his original intentions were whether to finally <laughs> reach the promised land or whether to <laughs> stop halfway in haran itself you know we really do not know. <coughs> but his intention was definitely to go in that direction. But when he reached Haran, okay, instead of being just a visitor to that place, en route, you know, he decided to settle down over there. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31 when it reads, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. The Hebrew word for settled means to sit down. Or Terah put his roots in Haran. Okay? Or Terah put his tent pegs deep into that place. And he said, this is now my home. Okay? This is now my home. Canaan is not my home. This is more comfortable. This is more familiar. This is what my home is. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 32, Terah died in Haran. <coughs> Terah did what his name suggested. He delayed, he settled in the wrong place, and finally 
he died in that place as well. The question we must ask ourselves this evening is, have you got comfortable with where you are in life? You started out on the journey, you started out on the Christian journey, but somewhere along the line, have you got comfortable with the world? You know, Have you settled in Haran? How long has it been since you heard God call you to do something? Abraham heard God's voice, you know. How long has it been that you have heard God's voice? How long since you walked by faith, doing something or living in some way for the sheer joy of following Jesus? To know this is what God has told me and I'm living in it. Or have you just settled down? How many times have you stopped short of what you wanted? How many times have you stopped short of what God wanted in your life? And this evening, the call upon our lives is, it is time that we stop settling down. Oftentimes, we use that word, isn't it? You know, when a person grows up, he says, you know, settle down, you know, get married, settling down. Now, we are not settling down in this world. You know, this world is not our home. But that is what the world's mental setup is, isn't it? So, a person may start out very well, you know, in a zeal for God. But over a period of time, with the pressure of settle down, settle down, settle down, he has settled down on this earth. And he gets caught up with the thoughts and the worries of this world. And all that he's thinking about is, is this world. Because this world is a familiar world to him. The world to come is unfamiliar. You know, this world is more tangible. And he decides to settle down. Be careful. If you're like Tara, Tara, if you're settling down halfway, you will die in Haran. God's desire is that we reach the promised land. You know? Let's not stop halfway on that journey. Couple of lessons to be learned from his life. Number one, good intentions alone does not take us to the promised land. Good intentions alone does not take us to the promised land. In verse 31 and 32 of Genesis chapter 11, the Bible tells us that Terah took all his family. That was his intention. His intention, the scripture says, was to go to Canaan. Okay, That was his destination. Haran was 600 miles away from Wool. And it was over halfway to Canaan, which was a thousand miles from Ur. Okay, So the distance between Ur and Canaan was a thousand miles. And here it was, you know, Haran was 6,000 miles away. Okay, Now, his intention, destination, Focus was Canaan. But what happens? Halfway mark, when he reaches over there, he settles down over there. The Bible, remember, does not mention anywhere that God spoke to Terah and asked him to leave Ur. But Terah seems to have believed what Abraham told him and was willing to go out with Abraham to Ur. Remember, good intentions alone does not get a person very far. A lot of people make good intentions in life, okay? As we often say, New Year intentions, New Year resolutions, they don't last long. Many people, even when it comes to following the Lord, they may say, this is my intention. I've given my life to Christ, you know. But it is only an intention. They have never had a personal encounter with Christ. And this evening, you must ask ourselves, examine yourself, see if you are in the faith. 
see whether you personally have had a hearing or calling from God, whether there's a transformation that God has done in your life, or is it just your intention? A lot of people want to go to heaven, but they're not willing to live prepared lives to go to heaven, isn't it? As we often say, a lot of people want to go to heaven, but they are not willing to die. What does that mean? They're still somehow holding on to this world, you know. Hey, I don't want to die because enjoyment is here in this world. You know? No, no. Know your destination and live according to that destination. You know, Don't just have an intention. If you want to go to heaven, there are things that you need to do. And the first important thing that needs to do is that you must have genuine faith. That's the second important lesson over here. Genuine faith requires first-hand individual encounter with God. It is not a tag-along faith. It is not a tag-along faith. We cannot tag along on someone else's faith. Okay? It is not because you know, our parents have a Christian faith, so we can tag along them. It does not because our spouse have a Christian faith, we can tag along. It is not because the children have a Christian faith, we can tag along. Oftentimes, people think like that, isn't it? So-and-so is spiritual, so as a result, on on the basis of that person's faith, that person's prayer, I will also be benefited. No, no, it's not a question of somebody else's. It is yours. You personally have to have an encounter with God. Because tagging along with another person's commitment will not help you to persevere till the end. If it is somebody else's faith, you know, that's not going to last long. As people say that God has no grandchildren, isn't it? It has to be your personal commitment to God. If you have been convicted, if you have been convinced of who Jesus is, then you're willing to go with him all the way. But if it is only a good intention, it's a desire. Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven, you know. But if it's only an intention, You have not made that personal commitment. You have never had a personal encounter with God. That type of a tag-along faith will not get you there. It will definitely drop you off somewhere along the line. When things get tough or things get too comfortable for you, you say, hey, this is life, and you settle down. Third important lesson is giving, getting up and leaving in obedience to God is not enough. Going on till the end, you know, with God is what really matters. It is not the starting that is important. It is the ending that really makes the difference, you know. He started out on the journey. It would have definitely been a tough journey. Think for a moment. You know, even in today's time when we have to, you know, relocate somewhere else, it's a job, isn't it, you know, in spite of all the transport and facilities that we have today. But in that particular time, to move all the family, to move all the cattle, you know, from one place to the other, you know, remember they were rich people, so to move all their belongings, you know, from one place to the other on this long, slow and dangerous journey of a thousand miles to reach Canaan would have definitely been a a tough job. Now, there were two (coughs) ways to reach Canaan. (coughs) One was taking a direct route across the desert, if you look at the map. But the other one was was going across the the bank and the river bank, and that was a fertile crescent, as they called it, okay? 
lot of partial land, so they would have definitely, and they did take that, you know, longer route, if you were to say, you know, but it was a fertile place for help for all the cattle as well. That is why they landed up in Haran, because Haran was on that halfway point, if you were to say, between Ur and uh, uh, Canaan. They came through this fertile crescent, okay. So the journey has been in a, uh, in a place in which you know, things have been provided for. Now they reach that city. It's like when you're traveling through you know, maybe a, a rural area and suddenly you see the bright lights of the city and you say, hey, hey, you know, the city has come, city has come. Things are different over here. And that's what would have happened over here. Now, <laughs> the word haran, you know, couple of meanings for this word. One meaning is parched or dry. Another meaning is crossroad, okay? Think of both those words, okay? A crossroad and a parched place. And try and understand, you know, the implications of that, okay? Now, <coughs> the whole family is at a crossroad in life. Either they can continue that journey or they can settle down there, you know? Just another five, 400 miles, you know, they would have reached Canaan. <coughs> but settling down over there seems to have been very, very pleasant to them. Now, each one of us, the decisions that we make in life, we are at a crossroad, you know. We are at a crossroad in life. Every decision that we make in life, you know, either, you know, it could take us to the right direction or it could take us to the wrong direction. We are at a crossroad in life. Sad to say, Terah took the wrong decision. Why did he decide to settle down? Couple of thoughts over that. Maybe Haran may have been Terah's ancient family home. Remember, it was a smaller town. Maybe he would have moved from the smaller town, Haran, and moved to Ur. And that is the reason also, when the son was born, that they would have named him Haran. Possibly it could have been an ancient family home. Also, Haran was a commercial center. So, after all that traveling, he would have thought, hey, let me settle down over here. I can make some money. I would be, you know, it would be financially advantageous for him and the family. He would definitely prosper over there. Okay. So, this was a crossroad in his life. Do I listen to what Abraham has said about God has called him to leave and go to Canaan? Or do I look and see what is there before me? It appeals to the eye. It appeals to my flesh. And I say, hey, this is a good place to be there. And that is what a temptation is all about, isn't it? And that's what a crossroad is all about. We take a call, whether it's going to complete that which God has asked us to do, or we settle down, you know, seemingly for what is best in our eyes. But that's not really the best in God's eyes. You know? And because of Haran settling down in that place, Haran, when he was at the crossroad of his life, because he made the wrong choice, he died in Haran. Okay. Ask yourself this evening, are you at a crossroad in your life? Or... Were you at a crossroad in your life and you made the wrong choice? And today, in your journey, in your walk with God, you're not walking towards Canaan, but you have somehow settled down in Haran, settled down with this world. 
that which was supposed to be just like a, a pause button, a break, you know, you said, hey, this place is good, I'm going to settle down. You took a little break, as it were, you know, and in that break, you made the wrong decision. That's one angle when you're looking at the word haran, of being a crossroad. The second understanding of haran is a parched place, parched place, okay? Now, why do we go, what are some possible reasons for going through the dry spots in our lives, okay? One reason here, when we are looking at it from Abraham's viewpoint, God told Abraham to leave, leave everything, okay? Your parents, your family, leave everything. And you go to the place that I will show you, okay? But you find Terah tagged along. You find that Lot tagged along. And as a result, the promise that God had given to Abraham was not fulfilled. Abraham, in that sense, was living in this parched place, Haran. You know? Now, what happened in chapter 12, we find, you know, after Terah died, God again appeared to him and spoke to him. But now, Lot is still there with him, okay? And it is only after Lot also separates, you know, then God again appears to him and says, hey, this is the land that I'm going to give to you. The promise is received only when all the tag-along people have been knocked off, you know, or the promise is received only in obedience to what God has called us to do, to leave everything aside. The scripture is very clear about discipleship. You know, he says, if any man follows me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and come follow me. That is God's call. Leave and then cleave to God. Now, when the Lord says leave, but he still want to have some tagalongs, something that we enjoy, you know, something that we don't want to give up, you know, the blessing, the promise of God is not there. And that is where the dryness, that is where the parched, parched area would come in. Or maybe perhaps, you know, you have a wrong relationship that you have tagged along with when God said no, you know, and as a result of it, you are now in a parched place, okay? Learn from crossroads in life. Learn from parched, dry places in your life and find out, you know, is God taking you through that dry patch because of a wrong decision that you made, you know? If so, let that be a crossroad to turn around in the right direction like Abraham did after Thera's death. Fourthly, Growth and gaining momentum is not aided by stopping halfway. Growth and gaining momentum is not aided by stopping halfway. Once a person relaxes and slows down, what happens? You lose momentum. Okay, That's the law of inertia, isn't it? An object at rest tends to stay at rest. <laughs> and if you have to overcome that inertia, it has to be given a push, you know. And that's how a lot of Christians, you know, when they start out on their Christian walk, their Christian journey, all excited, you know, graph is going high. But somewhere along the line, you know, rest period, somewhere along the line, momentum is lost. 
and then once the momentum is lost, to pick up that momentum becomes very, very difficult. Now, this is in any walk of life. Whether when it comes to daily Bible reading, if you have given a break, you know, one day, two days, to pick it up again is going to be difficult. Whether it's attending a worship service, attending a Bible study, you know, if you have given a break to start again, becomes difficult, you know. The law of inertia comes into place over here. When you lose momentum, ask yourself this evening, when you look back into your Christian life, have you maintained that momentum in your Christian walk with God? Or have there been spots of haran in your life, crossroads in your life, where you lost momentum? And as a result, right now we are in a place in which is not the very best that God has in store for you. And my prayer this evening, that we would get up from Haran and get moving. A couple of practical thoughts on why or when do people stop short of doing everything God asks? Or why do people lose momentum? Why do they settle for the second best? You know? Why do they you know, get so attached with this world when every individual knows this world is not the final dwelling place? A couple of important reasons. Number one, you know, when they feel they have done enough. When they feel that they have done enough. Sarah has traveled around maybe 700 miles to Haran. <laughs> okay. The journey would not have been easy if Sarah was alone. But he was moving also with his own household. It was definitely a tough job uprooting a whole household and Going this long distance would have definitely been difficult. You know, it would have been expensive. It would have been exhausting. And maybe when he reached Haran, he would have said, enough, you know, enough is enough. I have come thus far. Okay. A lot of people stop halfway you know, in their walk with God because they think, you know, okay, I've reached a point which in which I'm pretty good now. Okay. I was not an... Uh, I was bad earlier, now I'm pretty good. I'm not really the best that God wants right now, but I'm pretty good. You know, you know some of the things I've given up, so as a result, things are okay. <laughs> they settle down <coughs> because this has been a long journey. This has been a long journey. And maybe they are going through a lot of struggles in their lives. When they started out their Christian walk, they thought maybe life will be rosy. Now that I've made a commitment, things are going to be smooth. But when the journey started, they found that there were more problems. They found that you know, God's call upon their lives was you know, different from just what they thought. They realized that disciple is, discipleship is tough. You know? They thought it was only, okay, I'm on my way to heaven, I shall not be moved. My seat in heaven is booked and reserved. That's all that it is. No, no. They realized, hey, you know, God is calling us to be not converts, but disciples. And they said, hey, this is getting tough. This is getting too much. You know? And as a result, they said, let me settle down. Okay. Do you feel like that this evening? You know, you feel I have done enough for God. Okay, I've done enough. You know? Or do you feel the second reason when they feel they have had enough? <coughs> Now, the question of you have done enough, you have come a long way now, but you feel you have had enough. You know? In other words, you are all stressed out. 
you are all weary, you are all tired, as it were. You thought God would do this, this, this for you if you say yes to him. But God has not done that. Your life has become full of problems, you know. You are stressed out, you are tired out. And you are reached a point when you have said, I've had enough, okay. I've had enough. So it's not about being unwilling to keep going, but about feeling unable to keep going. Because you said, no, no, you know, I didn't sign up for this. This is too much for me. You know, life is not getting any easier. So why should I continue on? And if you notice in today's world, there are so many people who have started out on their Christian walk, but have dropped out halfway. There are so many people who have even rejected Christianity. Why? Because the impression of what Christianity was going to be, their walk with God was going to be, was so totally different. When problems came their way, when tough situations came their way, when calamities came in their way, when God seemingly didn't answer their prayers, <laughs> they said, I've had enough. <coughs> I don't want to keep going now. And they stopped short. <coughs> Thirdly, <coughs> when they feel God is asking more of them than they can give. They feel, you know, yes, I signed up for this, you know, but now God is asking too much, you know. He is asking 100%. You know. When you signed up to follow after the Lord, maybe you, you know, set up your boundaries, you set up your limits, you know. You set up like in a house, maybe it is okay, I'll give this room, I'll give this room, you know. Or when it came to time also, he said, this much time is mine, this much time is the Lord's. Or when it came to money, he said, this is amount is mine, this much, you know, is the Lord's. But then you realize, hey, you don't have that type of an agreement with God. They say, so much is mine and so much is God's, you know. God is saying, no, I want everything, you know. All of your time, all of your money, all of your talents, all of your life, you know. And that becomes difficult. Is that your position today, you know. When you feel that God is asking too much, to give, you know. But if you notice Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the J.B. Phillips translation says, when you think of all that God has done for you, is this too much to ask to give your life as a living sacrifice? In other words, is it too much to ask to give 100% of all that we have to God? When you think of what God has done for us, is this too much to ask? Not at all. Not at all. It should be a pleasure for us to say, Lord, you took my place. There's nothing that I can ever do. The least that I can do is to offer my all to you. Terah, unfortunately, never reached Canaan. He stopped in Haran, lived in Haran for many years, and finally, he died in Haran. My prayer is that none of us will die in Haran. If you are living there, settling down there, stopping there, Maybe this evening is a good call to get up from Haran, to move into what God has stored for you, the plans that he has for you, the good works that he has ordained for you beforehand itself. You know, that is God's plan for us. Let us not settle down for a second best. So how can we be sure that we will never stop halfway? Okay, What is the mindset that we should have so that we will keep pressing on till the very end. Number one, understand that Christianity is not a negotiated contract between us and God. Understand this. <clears throat> when we said yes to God, it's not a 
contract that we can negotiate with God. Okay? Contracts have terms to which we agree. Some are negotiated in advance and maybe we get an adjustment to suit our preferences. Others things, things may not be changeable, so we go ahead providing we think we can live with it. But two things are true about all contracts. If the terms become too difficult to live with, you can renegotiate. Or if you can't make the contract work for you, you can say, I'm not willing to sign this contract. But Christianity is not like that. Christianity is not a contract. It is a total surrender of our lives. Luke chapter 14 and verse 33 tells us, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. That is as simple and as clear as possible. When he said yes to God, you know, it is not a question of negotiation. God said, hey, this is my rules. You know, if you are willing to give everything, then only you can be my disciple. But if you started out the Christian life thinking that you can negotiate, and now you realized you know, that, hey, it's not going to be possible, that would be the reason why you drop out. So once your mind is set to say, I cannot cop out. You know, it's like in a marriage relationship when you say, till death do us part. You know, divorce is not an option. If you think divorce is an option, as soon as things kind of... Uh, get into trouble, marriage breakdowns, and you say, hey, look here, let's separate. But if you recognize hey, it's not an option, then you're willing to work towards building up that marriage. Similarly, when you think about your Christian life, it's a total commitment. There's no other option. You, know? you cannot say, look here, now let's do a 50-50. When you realize it's a total commitment, it's a laying down of your life, you know, then you are willing to say, Yes to God. It's not something you try and see if it works out. It's not, you know, as long as you feel good, you will follow. It's not that we can renegotiate when you find it is tough, but it is giving over our entire life, our every breath, our every thought, our every intention, our every plan, our every relationship to God, you know. And once we are willing to do that and say, Lord, you do with me according to your purpose, you know. My life is not mine, it's yours, Lord. You do with me whatever you want to, whatever situation you want to take me through, Lord, I am yours. You know, this is the standard of faith that God wants of us. As he said, those of you who cannot give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. So ask yourself this evening, is this your you know, thought pattern about Christianity? You know, 100% commitment. No question about renegotiation. No question about, you know, 50-50. God is calling us to have a total commitment to God. That will ensure, if this is the mindset, that will ensure that you'll be faithful till the very end. And as the scripture will say, he that overcomes, he that is true till the very end, the same will be saved. Secondly, realize that the call of God is for his determination and not ours. Realize that the call of God is his determination and not ours. God's plan for our lives, who we will share it with, what we will do, where it is, how long it is, how hard it is, how fruitful it will be, all these things are God's business. In other words, you know, God is the one who is sovereign. Okay, 
His plan is the one who is, which is the blueprint for our lives. And that is his calling. His calling is not our comfort. His calling is not you know, the results that we see. His calling is not, you know, the opposition that we face, you know. But our worthiness of response to his calling depends totally on saying, Lord, your will be done. What you have planned for me is the very best. So as a result, when things get tough, I am not going to opt out. I am not going to opt out. Remember, the call of God for us is not to a half marathon. It is for a full marathon. Okay, We must be people who don't get stuck in the rut. We must be people who never quit halfway. We must be people who move forward every day as long as the Lord gives us breath. You know, that should be our commitment. If this is our commitment, every morning when we get up, we say, Lord, thank you for another day to do that which you have planned for me for this day. And find out from the Lord, Lord, what is your plan for this day that you have worked out for me? Instead of saying, Lord, this is what I have planned, and now look here, and, uh, and if there's time, then I will think about what you want me to do. No, no. Spend time in the morning asking God, God, what's your plan for my life today? And be willing to respond. That mindset would help you through the day when situations get tough or situations get comfortable. You will say, Lord, it is not the comfort. It is not the toughness. I want to do your will. Thirdly, do not presume on the grace of God. Do not presume on the grace of God. Okay. Now, reasons for dropping out could be varied. The journey gets tough. The journey gets hard. You know, and uh, priorities can change along the way. You know, and you know, a particular stop on the journey may seem pleasant enough. You know, but don't make it your final destination. It's like when you're taking a train journey. Okay, just just because you saw some nice spots in the middle, you don't say, "Okay, let me get down over here and then you know, take a break or settle down over here." No, no. Your destination is somewhere else. So, en route, whatever you seek, you know, you don't make that as your final destination. Don't lose sight of the end. And also, having lost sight of the end, don't presume on the grace of God. Don't presume on the grace of God. Terah started out, you know, God told Abraham, he said, okay, I'm willing to follow, you know. And when he settled down in Haran, Terah must have said, okay, you know, this God who has appeared won't say anything, you know, life is pleasant over here. This is the place that God has asked me to settle down. <laughs> no, no. The scripture tells us that Terah died in Haran. But Abraham was able to pick up from where he had left off. Okay. Abraham was able to pick up. So let's not presume on the grace of God and say, okay, you know, you have not the right faith. You have an intentional faith, you know, you don't have a saving faith. You think you're on your way to heaven, but you've got so caught up with this world. And he said, just because somewhere along the line, you decided to make that commitment, somehow God's grace will take you through. No, no, you know, be careful. Don't settle down and presume on the grace of God. You can die in Haran, you know. Be willing to persevere till the very end. 
Moses records Terah's death in Haran in verse 32. You know, it has you know, a reason for that, you know, because you know, Moses wanted to get this thought across, or the Lord wanted to get this thought across through Moses, you know, that the Israelites, you know, were going to be liberated from Egypt. Life was to be found in Canaan, okay, and to set up their home anywhere outside the promised land, like Terah did, was to invite death. God has taken us from Egypt. God is asking us to get to the promised land. And this is the journey that we are here on earth, okay? Remember, salvation is not the journey. Salvation is your response to God. But we are living in this journey, pressing on towards that day when we shall see the Lord face to face. That is the destination, that one day, when we see him, we shall be like him. That is the destination. So let's not stop in the middle and say, okay, I can have the best of both worlds. I can enjoy this world and also the world to come. No, no, let's never presume on the grace of God. You may have a tragic end and die in Haran. Number four, remember that incomplete obedience or partial obedience is disobedience. Incomplete obedience or partial obedience is disobedience. Whatever reason, Thera stopped halfway, okay? Starting is not sufficient. We must finish the course that God has for us. God does not want any half-hearted commitment, okay? Abraham, God called him to leave. Thera has come along. Lot has come along. But it is only when both of them have left in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 15. The Lord tells Abraham, all the land that you seek, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Terah died in Haran, never got to Canaan. Abraham spent a long time in Haran when really he should have gone to Canaan. But in the end, he did go. Now, we are all still alive. So, option is, you know, are you hanging around in Haran? Uh, if so, you can still get up and pursue the journey from where you left off. You're at a crossroad in life, maybe. Maybe you're at a parched area in your life, maybe because of disobedience. You may say it's a partial obedience. No, no, partial obedience is disobedience. And my prayer to each of us this evening is that none of us would settle for less than that to which God has called us. Okay, There are too many... Christ followers who never know Jesus as their Lord and Master because they have settled so much for a second best. Paul is able to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Let us not allow others to slow us down in our spiritual walk, you know, if somebody is tagging us along and slowing us down, let us not allow that. Let us persevere not to be faint and not grow weary on the journey. The journey is long. The journey is getting tougher. Let's not get weary and give up. Let us evaluate our lives even this evening and press on until we reach that day when we shall hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's look at a couple of application questions this evening in closing. Number one, what are some of the visions, dreams, and goals 
that you have for your life. Where are you with them in the midst of your journey? How can you check if you are a halfway convert or a wholehearted saint? Examine your life from the time you have come to know Christ and where you are now. From the time you came to know Christ, what was your dream and vision for the future? What was going to happen in your lives? What would you know, your relationship with God, what you thought was going to be accomplished you know, in your walk with God? And how is it right now? Number two, what are the lessons that we can learn about how God views obedience from this incident? What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? When we learn about partial obedience is disobedience. Okay. Abraham partially obeyed. In what areas are you partially obeying God and patting yourself on the back and saying, anyway, I'm obeying? No, no, God says partial obedience is disobedience. Number three, where are you currently dwelling in your journey? Are you dwelling, feeling stuck, or are you moving forward in your journey? If you're dwelling and feeling stuck, what do you need to do to start moving, to get unstuck? Or where have you settled down? Where have you put your tent pegs? In a, are you living today in Ur? God has told you something, but you have still not left Ur. You are not still given up. You know? Or are you living in Haran? You are on a crossroad. You started out, but somewhere along the line, you, know, you stopped halfway. Or are you headed for Canaan? Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for the lessons this evening that you have taught us through Terah's life. Father, we pray that none of us would be found wanting. None of us would be presuming on your grace, having started out to stop halfway, to settle down halfway, to enjoy what the world is offering and calling it your blessings and saying, this is what life is all about. When you have said, unless you are willing to give up everything, we cannot be your disciples. And even in the light of your word this evening, we pray for each one of us who is listening to your word, that we would be willing, even this evening, to make a fresh commitment of our lives to you and say, Lord, here's my life, my total, total life, everything, all the areas of my life. You take charge, Lord. When I think about how much you love me, when I think about how much you care for me, this is my commitment to you. And trust God for the rest of the life that he has given you to make sure that his purposes for our lives would be fulfilled. That we will never settle down, but we will press on till that day when we shall see him face to face. And we look forward for that well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.